quit and they're learning on the job. And I think yeah. the biggest thing that I've learned in almost my 40 years of doing this is, is the best way to create leaders is to create them before they're in the position of being a leader. So mm-hmm. you okay. take that 14 year old employee that made, that's the first time they ever get a job. What I try to convince our franchisees and our, our managers is, you know, don't ask if they want to be a leader someday, just start teaching them the the qualities of leadership, the traits of leadership, the behaviors of leadership, and at least explain them what it looks like so that when they're in that position, uh, it's not, it's not foreign to them. It's somewhat familiar. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Tapping in, peeps. Thoughts That Rock, your favorite podcast coming to you from the road this week. Uh, we are in different places, and so uh, enjoying the beauty of technology and Riverside FM. Thank you for making it all possible. Uh, but uh, we are the podcast that gives you three pieces of advice centered around a particular topic or subject. Uh, today, we have uh, an amazing conversation. Jim, tell them what, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we're going to talk about how to develop new leaders and again, I think you'll, you'll probably hear this at the end of the interview, you know, regardless of whether you think you're a leader or you're on the other side and, and you're obviously being exposed to different leaders out there. I think there's going to be something for everybody in there. Uh, we do talk quite a bit about uh, different ways to develop people, but uh, that, that's what our goal is. And so, you know, we were, we we're pretty happy to find a, a great friend of ours who is running this amazing podcast called Be Best You. Brant, you and I have both been on that show and coach John Hughes, who uh, is not only the host of that show, this guy has been a good dear friend of ours. Um, he's a big fan of ours. He's basically though a 40 year veteran in the, um, the, the quick casual, I would say, I would use that terminology in the restaurant industry. You know, at 19 years old, he started at the very first Mike's Sub. And uh, if Mike's Subs sounds familiar to you, that's really the precursor to Jersey Mike's, which has like over 2,500 units or something like that. He's been there, you know, forever in a bunch of different roles. Uh, but now he's the senior VP uh, and brand ambassador, and he's in charge of all the learning and the coaching and the culture and sort of reminds me a little bit of my career at Hard Rock. But, you know, the guy's super, super smart, had a lot to share about how to develop new leaders. And uh, we had a few laughs along the way. And, uh, man, we just we, we had fun, right? 100%. Yeah, we had an amazing conversation with John. You guys are going to love it. Check this out. There he is. Boom. What's up, John? Not much, guys. How are you? Appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's an honor, honestly, really. Thank Same you. Same here, man. Same here. We were just saying in the introduction about how both of us have been on your show and uh, we've been wanting you to get on ours for, for a while now. And we're lucky to have Coach Hughes with us. So thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate it. And it was, uh, it was awesome having both of you guys on there and sharing your book and your thoughts. And I'm looking forward to it. I know, Jim, you have your third one, and I think, um, uh, Brent, you have one coming out as well, right? Another one? So we'll see. There you go. <laughs> He's always got one I'm in the hopper. To, I'm waiting <laughs> till my arm is twisted just a little yeah. bit more, and then yeah. we'll see what we happens. We all have a book in us, right? So That's right. 
somewhere. If it was free, we'd we probably have already have it out. In a, <laughs> not yeah. necessarily a good book in us. Yeah, so mine's going to be a coloring book. book so coloring book is mine, but. That's right. Well, John, I know you're working on one too, right? I think you said uh, you, you probably have one possibly by next year is what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I need, something has to happen. I mean, I talked about it so much that, uh, you know, it's the crying wolf thing. And uh, it's just a matter of just pulling the trigger and deciding what it's going to be about. And um, I have some ideas, keeping it simple. What I do love is, you know, a lot of the books, even yours, Jim, is it's, uh, um, you know, it, it could be a series. It could just be about one particular topic, but it's coming yeah. soon. Awesome, so, man. Well, when we get to that point, yeah, we'll definitely have some conversations. But today, absolutely. man, we're so thrilled because I know this is right up your alley. It's what you do for a living at this point, mm -hmm. and it's how to develop new leaders. And so, you know, we want to jump right in because I know you probably have way more than three thoughts on this, but hopefully we've been able to truncate it down to the best pieces of advice on how to do that. What What is your first thought that rocks on how to develop new leaders, brother? Yeah, I mean, I, my pro, you know, we have um, franchisees that come in and obviously they, they have the leadership traits and then they have managers in a business that in a restaurant service industry, you know, a lot of these people, um, I call us the misfits of, of the business world because they don't have the aptitude or the resource to go to college. Maybe they don't have a trade. So they end up in this in this middle area and, yeah. um, you know, they 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 end up working really hard and then they through working hard, they get they're given these opportunities and then all of a sudden, hard workers are put in a position of authority, which is the management position and or leadership position. And then they're just being asked to lead. And what I've learned is that, uh, you know, th they don't know how to do it and they're learning on the job. And I think yeah. the biggest thing that I've learned in almost my 40 years of doing this is, is the best way to create leaders is to create them before they're in the position of being a leader. So you take that 14 year old employee that made that's the first time they ever get a job. What I try to convince our franchisees and our, our managers is, you know, don't ask if they want to be a leader someday. Just start teaching them the, the qualities of leadership, the traits of leadership, the behaviors of leadership, and at least explain them what it looks like so that when they're in that position, uh, it's not it's not foreign to them. It's somewhat familiar. Um, yeah. I always use this analogy of like captains of teams. If you ask a person who's a captain of a team, if they knew how to be a captain before they got that position, they look at you funny and then they're like, well, no, you know, well, that to me is crazy. So I, I have this, if I have this uh, opportunity in life, I would, I would tell any coach, any, anybody that you teach leadership at the fundamental levels, you know, uh, the basic fundamental levels. So leadership should start, you know, at the walking, um, at, at the walking level. That's where I see the, our best, our best successes in our companies when they've adopted that approach. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, Brant knows this. I've got this nice, you know, bookcase of books behind me. I probably have, I don't know, a thousand books over there and it's, uh, not a single one of them are, are fiction. They're all nonfiction. They're boring business books, but that's just how my mind is. That was my career you and I sort of follow the same career, John. And I think, you know, I've just, I've learned over the years that, that at least in a, in a corporate America position, I always felt like if you had to go to the outside to bring somebody in, to be a leader, to be a manager, to be even a general manager, if you have to do it, then shame on you. You, you, you choose right. to do it because you want new blood, you want different ideas. 
But to, you know, your sports analogy is perfect too. I think you've got to have a triple A ball club ready to go at all times so that you're deciding to go to the outside. The goal should be hundred percent internal promotions within reason, but you ought to have a ton of people ready to go. And it's not that you're, you're, you're waiting for them to tap you on the shoulder and go, Hey, I'm ready to be developed. Now you should just start developing people. And so people right. that read, the business books, they're voracious readers or they're on podcasts or they go out of their way to go to courses and classes. They're definitely going to get a leg up. Love that mug. <laughs> a little bit of branding there. Thank you, brother. Um, but I, but I think, you know, you, you're, you're making a great, great point. And I knew when I was working at Hard Rock, working with our corporate university, you have to go out there and just find those high potentials and start start carving them out of the stone right now so that they're ready to go, whether they choose to do it or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, people will, they want to grow. So you have one store, you want five and, and in order to grow, we, you know, we put people before stores. So it's always, you know, grow your people let the stores follow kind of been a like success that. for us. And in doing that, you know, you start growing your people at 14, 15 years old, you know, I just used a story at 19 years old. I, I, I wasn't, didn't have the aptitude to college. I was an athlete, so I was able to go there. I hated it. I wasn't good. And I ended up working at a part-time sub shop and I just had leadership qualities, I guess, about me. And then all of a sudden I was left on my own. And every time I would go to somebody and say, Hey, you know, how, how do I do this? How do I do that? You know, they were either telling me to figure it out or, or, you know, uh, work harder. And, and I'm like, well, that's, that's, that takes a long time, you know, and there's a lot of money involved in that. What if we could, what if we can create some type of roadmap for people who, who don't have the intention of being a leader at some point, but how do we give them those, uh, those traits, those um, points along the way that, that they can be somewhat familiar with. And I, I don't see that happening enough. And yeah. it's, it, to me, it's almost, I hate the word common sense cause that's not very common, <laughs> but it's, it, makes sense right yeah. to do that yeah why wouldn't you yeah john it makes me think of um, a couple of different things one with with nick saban you know one of my favorite quotes uh from coaches is uh if you're not coaching you're letting it happen right and so when you're developing leaders uh you have to think of it that way that if you're yeah. just gonna let it happen then they're gonna be underprepared when it's time for them to step up and uh and and so i combine that with you know, there's, there's really only three ways to change beliefs. And the first way is, is to sort of acknowledge proof that you have done something similar in the past. And that mm -hmm. is exactly what we're talking about here is that if you start teaching them before they're in that position, when they get to that position, you don't have to convince them that they're capable. You can simply have them acknowledge the proof that they've done something similar already. And they are prepared to be in that moment. And that's, uh, I, I think is a really, underserved part of leadership because you're not just building leaders. You're actually helping the organization by having people ready to go when the opportunity arises, as opposed yes. to being in a panic or promoting somebody who's not quite ready or having to go outside the organization to look for talent. It's, it's really something that I, th I, I wish more leaders would understand. You're actually serving both the people and the organization at the same time when you take that approach. Yeah, I mean, I look at, uh, you know, this idea that the best players are typically the captains, but the captains, you know, uh, you know, should be the ones developing people to be the best of their versions. Right. Um, and I look at my daughter, 
she was blessed with the physical abilities, the athletic abilities to, so every team she was on, whether she was a freshman or, you know, point guard, center mid and soccer. So those are captain leader positions on the field. And for me, I always felt like, you know, my style of leadership should have been her style. And uh, I happen to know the uh, young lady, captain of the women's soccer team, Christy Rampone. And I went to her and said, you know, what do I, Mickey's not in the huddle. She's not talking on the field. Mm-hmm. And Christy mentioned to me, she said, let Mickey find her voice. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, sure. And what was really cool about that to your point is, you know, if you teach them those things to recognize and then give them the space to grow and find their own leadership style. Mm-hmm. So as my daughter, she became a better soccer player, more experienced on the field. But then all of a sudden, by the time she was a senior, you can see that she was comfortable in that role. Yeah. And I see the reason I, I think it's important to develop leadership skills is a lot of the people that I train are thrust into that role. They're going to take it because they're making more money. They're getting sure. more prestige. And then they then they fail. And and then we were like, well, wait, they didn't fail. We failed them by, yeah. you know, I, I, I again, it's just these little analogies. And I just say we give the keys to our million dollar businesses, our $350,000 Ferraris to somebody who has a license. And then when they crash the car, we yell at them. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between a Honda and a, and a Ferrari. And yeah. that's what leadership is. You're driving a Ferrari, right? Yep. But, yeah. Yeah. Is, you <laughs> hope. You know. Uh, and just to double check, I mean, I've heard you say that this phrase before that in your mind, leadership isn't a position, right? It's a responsibility. Does that sort of encapsulate yeah. this first thought? I know you're talking about building the bench strength not waiting on people to maybe come to you to be developed, but you start going after them now. What, what is, if you were to take, if you were to truncate it down, what would that first thought be just to wrap that up? You know what? It's, I've been spending a lot of time around this word lately, um, professionalism. And, um, you know, a lot of people are look at leadership and they think of, well, I'll ask the whole, I'll ask 50 people in a classroom. How many of you guys have worked in professional jobs before? And only five or six people will raise their hand. The rest of them won't. And then I'll say, well, what constitutes professional? And they'll say a diploma, a nine to five, a suit. I'm like, okay, so working in a restaurant isn't professional. And they look at me funny and I go, well, it is right. But what does it mean to be a professional? And then the big part of it is, is, you know, all of a sudden, they these young people will work hard. Somebody recognize that, puts them in this position, but no one ever told them that the way they walked from their car to the restaurant, that yeah. uh, being punctual, being on time, just means you're not late. Um, you know, the your body language. You know, so we spend a lot of time. I just term I use the term button down. You know, and I'm not talking about a certain look, but just being um, a leader there's a responsibility when you're asking other people to do stuff that you have to do it. And yeah. I, I see a lot of people really kind of look at you kind of cockeyed and they're like, well, what do you mean? I go, well, leadership isn't a position. Leadership is a responsibility and it's not, you can respect their position, but what you do in that position is going to earn the respect of others. You know, other than that, yeah. you're just a bully, a manager, yeah. a boss. Yeah. So that's kind of where I've gotten that, you know, figured that out that a lot of them just don't really a lot of young people don't understand. Well, not, it's not young people. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Sure. It's funny when I was working at hard rock, I remember clearly one time a, a customer, a guest had stopped me and uh, I was a host at that time. 
and they had been watching. It was a mezzanine floor. They'd been watching downstairs at this one person that was moving around, talking to everybody, the host, the expediter, the busters, definitely some guests along the way. And now the guy was wearing plain clothes. You, you know, you, you couldn't tell that he worked in the restaurant. Pretty young guy. And uh, they stopped me and said, is that the general manager? And I said, that's actually our director of operations who was just visiting. I hadn't seen that guy in, in two months. His name was Jamie Sturbino. And uh, they said, he definitely is in charge. He's the leader of this place. I was like, yeah, but he was only yeah. here for one day. They're like, oh no, that guy's in charge. And sure enough, that's how Jamie was. And it was, it was just to your point, you know, it was the way you carried yourself. It's how you interacted. It's how you are when you think no one's watching, but everybody's watching. Everybody sees what's going on. So they are. I, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have two parents in my life. I had a father. My, my mom was a music teacher, actually, uh, you know, so love music. And my dad was a gym teacher. So and I know a lot of people that I come across or I'm in front of every day, they didn't either have both parents or yeah. parents at all, or if they had parents, they probably wish they didn't have them. So they don't have these role models. So no one teaches them to stand up when a lady walks in a room or nobody teaches them to, to have that 360 degree vision and, and see that servient type of attitude. And we tell them to be this. We, 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 we direct them to do this. We're, we're not, we're telling and yelling. We're not teaching and coaching. And I, I, didn't realize this when it was happening, but I had a mentor, the owner of our company, Peter Cancro, and he bought my first blue blazer. Uh, he taught us how to, you know, how to, you know, order wine. He taught us how to do all these things. And when I was, and then when I was happening to me, I was like, what are you doing? It's weird. And I realized that, you know, if I pay attention to why, you know, I had to figure out the why on my own a lot. Um, I, I figured that less people need to do that. So I'd not only teach them, but I'd also tell them the why. And, a lot of uh, what I see is, especially with the young managers today, is they don't, why do I have to tuck my shirt in? Why do mm -hmm. I have to, you know, you know, if, if it, meetings at 11, I show up at five of, I'm not late. Um, all these little things that we assume that people know, uh, and then we put them in this position of holding other people accountable to the same things. And then when they fail at that, we, we lose them when, they you know, they don't know. They don't, they yeah. really don't. So brother, give us your uh, second thought that rocks on this. You know, again, we're talking about how to develop new leaders. Yeah. You know, what I see is this whole idea of working smarter, not harder. And um, every, these guys are working their butts off, right. Especially through pandemic. And then now they're supposed to make smart decisions. And to your point about reading is, you know, well, go get smarter, figure it out or whatever. And, um, and you, it's ironic. You talked about a PL when you first started, because that's one of my lessons during the week. I remember the guy who taught me the PL, and I was like, what the hell's that? And then when I asked him a question, he said, don't worry about it. And I said, but I, but I'm curious. And he said, you'll know that one. And the only thing I learned at that moment was to not punch him. Yeah. And I, yeah. I went, you know, and what I realized many years later, he didn't tell me because he didn't know. And rather than saying, you know what, I'm not really sure. Let's figure it out. He goes, it's none of your business. And as soon as I wow. say that in class, it's amazing how many people go, yeah, that happened to me. Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, the working smarter, not harder piece is something that really resonates with a lot of the young. You know, if it's not a book, it's audio. If it's not audio. It's a TED talk. If it's not a TED talk. Go to a conference. So if you want it, you got to go. You got to 
make effort. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to make you smarter. It's not my job. You know, yeah. when you're saying, you know, uh, work smarter, not harder, but if I understood you correctly, I think you're, it might not always be that exact phrase is the way that we right. always need to be working because although I would say it'd be awesome if let's say the three of us all just continue to work smarter. I think that's definitely the goal, but there's a tremendous amount of hard work that goes into it. If, if I understood you correctly, you're saying kind of today you need to do both, which by the way is a super rare characteristic. And, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you kind of saying you need to do both these days, right? Yeah. Because if I said, you know, if I talked to Peter, I, Peter uh, work smarter, not harder. You know, um, I think you should learn to work smarter. And Peter would say, no, no, you always work hard. You never stop working hard. But yeah. the smarter part isn't just it just doesn't happen. It's learned and you have to recognize it. And we want people to get smarter as quick as possible with the least amount of money and the yeah. best teachers experience. So where what teaches us, you know, uh, the most yet. You know, I, I, it was a guy from Gallup said it once. He goes, you know, people want to learn something. And when I tell them it's three days, they say, can we do it in two? And when yeah. we say maybe, they say, good, you can do it in one. So, you know, every, you know, it takes time. But if we could learn to always work hard and get smarter by making effort, meaning don't tell me you can't read because I couldn't. I'm dyslexic. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm ADD. So guess what? I, I told myself my whole life I couldn't read. But guess what? I just had to figure out how I read. I didn't read the way that guy read. I read I, now, like you said, you look at my bookshelf. I, I'm a voracious reader. That's, you know, that's that's all I do. I don't remember yeah. what I read the first. I don't. I mean, I read a page. I couldn't tell you what I just read. You know, what I've learned is I've learned to get smarter in the sense that by reading, I wasn't getting smarter. How I got smarter was I figured out how to to so because people just give up oh, i can't do yeah. it yeah but so it's still sticking you inside your noggin like it's still resonating with you and and brant i know we you and i have talked about uh ai and and all the technology that's here right now there's no there's no excuse for lack of getting information i mean everything is is now in your pocket within your your reach to yeah. pretty much learn yeah. everything maybe some soft skills you could get from a mentor but you know, Brant, you, you share that because I know we've talked a lot about whether it's chat, GBT or anything else. Boy, you, you can learn just about anything these days. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, I got something completely different out of what John just said. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> what I got out of this is that <laughs> working smarter, not harder requires both people involved, requires leadership and the student, right? Mm -hmm. So when somebody asks about something like a PL and you say, don't worry about it, you're not allowing them to work smarter. You're, 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 you're holding back yeah, a teachable moment. Yeah. And, and if you want people to work smarter as leaders, you got to be willing to teach so that they can gain the knowledge to be smart. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of times we uh, pass that off. We don't want to spend the time. We don't feel like they've earned it, uh, whatever that might look like. But if, if we really want people to work smarter, not harder, um, it requires both the teacher and student to participate and not yeah. just uh, expecting people to go out on their own because yeah. uh, for all of the new AI tools that are out there, it's just one more way to learn something wrong, <laughs> to learn how to do something that might not be actually yeah. what you want them to learn. That's so uh, at least 
for the leaders that I and the, the mentors that I've had, um, they've got a very distinctive way of of teaching, right? And there's something that they have learned that they've taken from. Whether Jim, that was when we, when I first started speaking, you know, I I had the ability to listen to what your experiences were. You walked me through do this, don't do that. I've tried this. This is what happened to me. doesn't mean you can't try it, but just know mm -hmm. that I've walked that path and this was my experience. Um, it wasn't work smarter uh, uh, and not harder. It was work both, but you were also willing to share the knowledge that allowed me to get smarter without actually doing the work. And I think that's yeah. the real takeaway for me here is that you've got to be willing to give the knowledge so that they can do the right work and not just work really hard to learn something the wrong way, which is yeah. uh, more often than not these days in that, you know, I want it now. It's this instant gratification. It's all this stuff that happens. It's great that they have the ambition to go and learn, but let's not send them on that way to learn something the wrong way. Let's actually take a moment to teach something that's going to make sense and then direct that path for them. Use that and, you know, that excitement, that, uh, the, the, their willingness to put in the work in the right way to be able to say, Go study this, go read this mm -hmm. book, go do something that you are familiar with so that you can follow up on that and continue on that conversation. Does that, does that make sense where I'm coming yeah. from? Yeah, it just happened yesterday. A kid wanted to learn about, we're working on just guiding him through work, writing a mission statement, right? So you got Stephen Covey, he's got all those. So I said, uh, I said, you know, why don't you just seven habits? He's like, you know, I just, I don't know, I'm not a good reader. I said, well, here's a video. Well, I don't have, you know, my, you know, I don't have a computer. I said, okay, well, you have your phone. Yeah, I go, well, do, and I'm like, all right, so you want to you wanna get smarter? He's like, yeah. I go, but you're not willing to do the work. I just gave you, I just gave you all the different things, not just one, I gave you five different options. So at this point, I don't think you really, you know, you want, want what you want. He kind of looked at me funny and went, yeah. I said, so my job isn't to tell you what you want to hear. My job is to tell you what you're capable of. And all of a sudden they're just like, whoa. You know, no one's ever told me that before. No one's ever said that I'm valuable or I'm worth it. You know, I felt my, I spent my whole life just feeling inadequate because I, I just had a good personality and I happened to be decently athletic and I just, and then I was just, I just felt like I was going to get exposed. So I went to Barnes and Nobles and I put the, the head down and I went to the self-help aisle like that. And I'm like, guys, you just, no one's going to make you smarter. That's why. Yeah. So it's the, the slide I use is, Work smarter, harder isn't wrong. And I put, but it's learn to work smarter and that's on you. You need yeah. to learn to work smarter. Yeah. There's somebody out there that you knock on the door of anybody and say, Hey, I want you to help me. Nine out of 10 people will invite you in. Yeah. I love but it. If you don't ask, yep. you know, I love it. You did. Maybe, you done to, it. <laughs> maybe to combine the two, I know John in your world, when again, I'm going back to my hard rock days in the corporate university, we were yeah. very deliberate about the classes that we were going to teach because I wanted to not waste anybody's time. If there was something they could learn at the unit level, if they mm -hmm. could get it through e-learning or video, then that was great. But the things that we specifically picked out were things that I wasn't sure would be taught consistently or Brant to your point, if they're going to be taught wrong somewhere else, let me get them all in a room where I can make sure that we're going to get it right. Or maybe something that required role play, like mm -hmm. how to handle a guest complaint or how to, how to read a PNL. 
you know, you actually do that class and that's, that's mind blowing for people. How to do a first time interview, how to coach and counsel an employee. Like no one is teaching these things really at the unit level, unless you're just a phenomenal teacher already, the chances are slim to none. So, you know, I, I think there's sort of a combination on both of those where you're giving people, it sounds like, Coach, uh, you know, so many opportunities for people, whether they're getting it back at the ranch or they're getting it when they come to spend some time with you, at least they've got that opportunity. And now they make a choice, to your point. They, they either want to be developed or they don't. And if they don't want to, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do, maybe to push a few buttons, but they're, they're going to make or, or break their own career that way. Yeah, and what we have this, so my week has evolved, but to your, your thousand Brazilian percent correct in the sense that you know, oh, you know, my owner's not doing this or my franchisee doesn't do that. I said, okay, guess what? I just gave you the tools to do it yourself. And yeah. if if I don't have the tools, here's 15 books, here's two websites, here's this podcast, here's this podcast. Yeah. So stop blaming everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, you're not good enough for us. No one told you to do this. No one taught this guy to do that. No one, you got to go after it, man. Well, you started to allude to your third one. Let, let bring us home, my friend. What is the third thought that rocks? You were talking about um, not not teaching or coaching people the way that that we were probably yeah. taught or anybody was taught. What, walk us through that. Yeah, I think any uh, you know anybody that's good at something is going to extend to a position where other people want to either learn from them or they're going to be in the, put in that position of teaching other people. Um, and what happens is you start teaching. People, I, I go. I'll just bring a quick story, and then I'll kind of get it. my door. My I, my dad was a basketball coach. Basketball was my favorite sport. Unfortunately, I'm five seven, so had to be. I ended up running, and that worked out for me some weird way. But um, uh, I got my daughter's seventh grade class. I mean, seven seven years old. I'm teaching her basketball. It's her and her five friends. Rec basketball, and I'm, I'm all excited. I'm I'm a, I'm a coach for the first time. Official title of a coach, and. I'm standing in front of these five girls and I, I was like, uh, I didn't know what to do. So I made them run. And it's a funny story, but I, at that moment I went, Oh my goodness, I've been coached my whole life. I grew up I, you know, in a baby carriage at my dad's basketball practice. So I've been around coaching. So I just assumed I could coach. I didn't understand. And this mm. is probably gonna be my first book to be honest with you is what are the, the processes or what's the um, sequence of, sequential questions or steps that you should take in order to coach just sewing coach in your, uh, in uh, front of your name doesn't constitute coaching to me. And I think what I, well, the second biggest thing I found was that we tend to typically coach the way we learn, which brings me to this other part where we have to coach the learner and we learn one way. The other person doesn't learn the same way we do. And my son, who has autism, uh, that's where I realized it was. I was like, all right, um, somebody might have ADD. Somebody may have a dyslexia. Somebody may have a, a visual learner. So what we do is I recommend that everybody, um, one, takes a learning style assessment on their own so they understand their learning styles because that's going to probably be your coaching style. Two is then give every future applicant. And if it's too late and somebody's working for you, you give them, it's a simple one page. You can look them up learning style assessment and then find the right coach for that learning style. And then I tell everybody, I go, you may have 30 people you're training and you can't train 30 people one way, but you can't also train 30 people 30 ways. 
But if you train, if your if your lesson is using the three hearing, seeing, and doing as your primary learning functions, if you designed a lesson plan, and I'm, it's funny, Jim, it goes back to something I learned from you years ago when you, if I'm not mistaken, but I think you designed the Hard Rock Cafe um, handbook to be a comic book. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. So, so instead of having texts and graphs, you had a comic book. And mm-hmm. and that that type of people in probably the hard rock are creative. They're artists. They're all right. So you designed a manual for that learning style. Yeah. And I think is you want to train 30 people one time, three ways. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, you know, I, I think you'll have it. So I think the. Uh, people, they don't get it. I'm like, well, what did you, how did you teach him? Why well, show them the PL? Well, guess what? They may have dysgraphia. What's that? I go, it's the same thing as not being able to read because, right? It's, and they're looking at, watch their breathing. Their breathing changed. They, they're, they're getting blotchy. They're having a panic attack. Uh, you know, so uh, a lot of it is um, just learning style and, and, and not coaching the way you learn, but coaching the way they learn. And if you can, if you can master that, you're going to have so much more success in whatever you're teaching whatever you're, you're trying to accomplish parenting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you're making a great point too. Yeah. I, I did convert a lot of those only because I wasn't going to read an entire novel of information. The, the manual was really, it was really boring. It was interesting information for me, but it was boring to sort of read and my whole goal was to eliminate as many words as possible, which was a little taboo. I was almost going to be an English major. Um, I, I love words in general, but the reality is that's not the way people learn today. That I, you know, I was already feeling like I was stepping out of my own generation because words and pictures together was all great. But today's generation, please. I mean, now it's not even pictures. I mean, you got to go video. You got to go. TikTok or short form. It's got to be quick, quick, quick in and out. But at that time, and it wasn't just comic books. I thought about, you know, an airline safety card, which has no words in it at all. I think about Ikea, their furniture instructions. There's no words in the thing. It's all visual. Think about Lego. When you buy Legos, there's no words in it. And I go, these guys are brilliant. They figured out that if I just use the visual, if you can get away with it, you know, and, and you still can come over the top with some storytelling, especially if it's instructor led. But again, I think even the way that I grew up and what I was trying to do for those new hires 25, 30 years ago, even that doesn't necessarily work for today's audience. So you, you make a really good point. You're not going to be able to go after each one of them, right? But you can get the majority of the group and maybe in the way that you're facilitating, you're doing two or three other things to make sure that you get the entire group to head toward the direction that you want. Um, well, I think, I think it's, you, know, you guys are obviously music, rock, thoughts of rocks and brand, you know, you, you know what you do. And I always think about when I was younger, my mom was a music teacher. I had a hard time reading music because I didn't know it at the time, you know, all the little dots and the lines and they all look the same to me and they all kind of blend. And the only way to be able to play something was if you learned how to read music, you know, now technology comes and that note now is a color. Yeah. You know, so you know, this particular note is now yellow and this particular note is now green. Now, conventional people will may say, well, that's not learning how to write. I'm like, look, I just want to play because I want to I want to enjoy playing music. Right. So I can't play music because I can't read the language. Yeah. Well, John, you've given us some honestly, some amazing <laughs> thoughts on developing leaders. What's the best way for people to stay in touch 
with you if they want to uh, continue either via your podcast or the work you do with Jersey Mike's. What's what's the best way for them to stay in touch? Yeah, the Jersey Mike's one's a little tricky only because, you know, uh, that's kind of a closed community with our franchisees. But I share both of your books um, um, and, you know, a lot of other guys that I share. Uh, I share them mm-hmm. actually in class. We raffle off three books every week. I, I talk about your stuff. Uh, but I did start a thing called uh, the Be Best You um, podcast, and it's not Jersey Mike's affiliated only because I want to just have a little bit of freedom to talk to sure. other people and then be able to share my interviews. Uh, and I think, Jim, uh, you know, we had the opportunity. You were the second one. You, I think you were the first mm-hmm. one, and Clint Pover was the second. But um, So right now it's uh, – I have to be honest, it'll be unveiled, but it'll be under Be Best You. We're on Spotify right now. Uh, we're on YouTube and, um, I'm going to be uploading there. So you can find it on Facebook, be best you podcast. You can find it on Spotify, um, right now. And then I'm, I'm working on how to get some more, more material out there, but, and I'm going to leave this late and you guys will love this, but, uh, I interviewed a gentleman a couple of weeks ago where he said, uh, during COVID his office closed, he took all of his material back to his office and in doing that, he started unboxing his stuff and he found all these notes from conferences and books he read and he decided to consolidate it into one notebook. And then he said, wait, you know, I'm going to make a book out of this, not for anybody else, but for himself. And he said this to me, he said, um, he goes, you have, you have a job, you have a career, you have a passion. And if your passion can be your purpose, that's it. And I thought about it and I said, my, I've had a job and a career, great career, still going. It's, it's, a I've, it's a project. It's a, a passion. But what I realized in that moment talking to him, I said, you know, this is my purpose. My purpose is, mm-hmm. is to just get out there and, and talk to people. And I think it's similar to yours is just share and, and connect, connect people to, uh, you know, be better versions of themselves. Right. It's awesome, you know. man. You're, you're definitely one of the good ones. And, and like I said, at the very beginning, we were so thrilled to just have you on the show you know, not everybody that's listening are going to have people that report to them. They may not think of themselves as a leader, but one, I would say everybody's a leader. Everybody's watching you. And who knows, maybe you do get moved up or promoted into a leadership position. But even for those that are on the other end, you know, you think about your brand, you think about your bosses, you know, are they developing you? Um, You know, some of it you're just going to have to do on your own. Um, but if somebody gives you an open window to start down a path where there can be a plan designed for them, they should take advantage of it. If for no other reason, it's not about the position, like you said, it's just a leadership skill. It's a responsibility that you're able to impact and influence other people. So, you know, I hope our audience, regardless of what, wherever you are, I think there were some really good nuggets that you can glean from here. We'll have all this stuff in the show notes, but I know yeah. I you know, don't need to speak for Brant. We're just thrilled, man, to have somebody like you on the show and and just share a couple of those thoughts that are rattling around in your head, man. We appreciate it. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on up there. So a little scary. <laughs> well, we'll, t- we'll <laughs> take no, those three. It, it, it's an honor. And Jim, you know, I've known each other a long time and and um uh you know, we're we're gonna connect some. I'm gonna get you guys both up there on the stage, uh, or at least working with our company some way. And I do share your books and I and I appreciate it and people love it. So okay. Thank you. It's the best, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Rock on, man. No problem. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah. And listen, we know how busy you are and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. 
So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on!